Welcome to the Paladins of Voltron, a podcast about the Netflix original series, Voltron Legendary Defender. I am your host, Jason, and I'm joined as usual by Jeremy. How you doing? And this week we have with us our first guest, a special guest, our good friend who you may recognize from his uh, hosting duties on the Transmissions podcast with Jeremy. Uh, welcome to the show, Charles. Big C, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, really. Um, I was just happy to know people want to come on our podcast. <laughs> we have six listeners now. That's <laughs> moving on up. Okay. I, I was I was one of the original five. You still got five. Oh, it. <laughs> you know. Uh, real quick, before we talk to Charles a little bit here, uh, feel free to provide us any feedback. You can do that by going to povpodcast.com, and you can comment on any of the posts for any of the episodes. Um, you can also email us, feedback at povpodcast.com. Hit us up on Twitter, pov underscore, underscore podcast. And uh, Jeremy, what is the uh, Facebook? Facebook is just pov podcast with no underscores. Okay, great. All right, so big C. Tell us a little bit about your experience with, uh, were you a fan of the original show? Were you just really taken by Legendary Defender like so many people were? Were you um, a Vehicle Voltron fan? Yeah. <laughs> UG1. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't understand all the hate the Vehicle Voltron gets, but yeah. that's, that, I'm, I don't, I'm not a hater, but I don't love them either. So that's okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was a child of the eighties. Voltron was a giant robot that turned into things. It was love at first sight. I mean, I, uh, I had uh, the die cast Voltron toy as a kid. Um, it got played with a lot, so I don't have it anymore because it didn't survive my childhood. Uh, but like Transformers, uh, like other toys of the eighties, it was, it was big. Uh, I watched the cartoon a lot. I don't really remember a lot from the cartoon. I mean, you know, beyond the the main characters and that every episode was, you know, pretty repetitive. Form Voltron, Blazing Sword, Slice Real Beast in Half. Um, so, you know, I, I remember it fondly, but, you know, I'm sure going back and watching those old episodes is probably it probably hasn't aged mm-hmm. great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was excited for this the new Netflix show. And, and when it came on, uh, I was, I got into it. I mean, um, you guys talked about how um, it was, it's the show was being run by the same people who did avatar, the last airbender. And uh, they brought their distinctive style to Voltron and, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. One of the things I, I like that, that they've said about the new series is they were aiming to make Voltron that was basically the Voltron they remembered, not the Voltron that actually, if you go back and watch the original mm-hmm. show, I don't <laughs> think they've succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember much about the original, like the first series either. Um, but yeah, like you, I, I had a Voltron at some point and things like that. Um, yeah. It's, that, that was when we were young, man, robots, especially once <laughs> heard the bigger robots, it was our thing, right? Yep. So, <clears throat> um, Trying to think here. Um, okay, so for this episode, things are going to be a little different. Um, what Just we're like this do, episode usually, is a little different. <laughs> yeah, how about it? Um, usually, you know, what we do is we do a pretty comprehensive recap of the episode. 
this is a, first of all, I think we're all going to agree this is a fantastic episode, but it's really hard to encapsulate in a, in a, you know, every character has a storyline, basically. Uh, Pidge and Lance kind of get matched up at one point, but, you know, and the lore has like one moment in the middle of the show. It's great, but it, it's kind of hard when I was writing up the description, I'm like, how do I fit this in here without it just seeming like it doesn't belong? So, so I'm going to give a brief recap of just what happened in the episode. And then the three of us are going to go on and talk about all the things we love about it. So I'll go ahead and start with that here real quick. And this is actually the recap from Wikipedia. And whoever does the re- the episode recaps on Wikipedia for this series does a fantastic job, especially for mm-hmm. uh, this episode. <clears throat> so uh, Shiro attempts to create a deeper bond with the, with the Black Lion, while Karan takes the others to a swap meet, where they have some strange adventures. After Karan details his time with the swap meets as edgy and filled with space pirates, they r- arrive and find it resembling an average ball on Earth. Larkon, a bumbling mall rent-a-cop, sees the four paladins drop their terrible disguises and pursues them through the, through the mall. Keith goes to a knife salesman for information about the blade he has, but learns it is from an extinct people before the salesman tries to steal it from him. Hunk is made to work off a tab for Saul, owner of Repid Saul's Diner, and earns a, earns a mass customer following with his gourmet skills. Larkon find, finds Hunk and he races out. Pigeon Lance find a shop which sells earth material from the 1980s. Hunk meets up with Keith, then Pidge and Lance, after they bought everything in the store. Not quite everything, but enough. And they finally meet up Karan, who has the lenses. Meanwhile, the Black Line reveals how it was created, and how Zarkon and all four were once friends. Zarkon then connects to Shiro on the psychic plane, where the difference in power is vast. But Shiro's words of trusting his lion earn his protection, and the feet of Zarkon in the psychic plane. Waking up, Zarkon loses more connection to the Black Line, and Shiro now has more connection to the Black Line. Afterwards, knowing Zarkan, Zarkon can't track them, Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, this was, this was such a, you know... I, I believe they did that. Right. Uh, <clears throat> hey, look, a wild Jeremy appears. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, my connection just completely dropped. Oh, so much for that phone connection, huh? <laughs> I still blame um, Skype somehow. No, it's all Skype's fault. Don't worry. You can blame them all you want. Um, so Charles was just saying what he enjoyed about the episode. How about you? What was your take? Um, just we'll go a little deeper into some stuff, but what was your, you know, your overall feelings on it and stuff? Paul Blart, Spaceball Cop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that he even had the little segue thing, like the space segue. I'm just going to put space in front of everything. But <laughs> this was just, it was a very fun episode. And after the, the seriousness of the previous few episodes, this was a nice little breather they aren't in any imminent danger and the the threat that they do have in the mall is really a joke. So that was nice. And then to get the background on black lion was just, 
I, I live for the lore stuff and the adding on to the, the background. And I thought that was great. Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of go, let's do, I guess we'll go, pal- we'll save Sheer on the black line for last. Let's go kind of paladin by paladin right now. Um, I say we start with hunk. So hunk, everyone's trying to find more crystals for the paladin. Hunk happens, of course, upon the, the intergalactic food court. Um, which is probably the first place I would go to if I were in an intergalactic space mall as well. Um, so he thinks he's eating free samples. Turns out he's not eating free samples. Uh, those samples are provided by Sal of Repid Sal's for a cost. And of course, no one had. Alora apparently never decided to give them allowances, even though they're traveling in space through with them. So I guess maybe she should have thought about doing that. So Hunk has no money, so he ends up chained to the dishwashing station. Uh, there are other people chained there. The one woman who looked ancient said she had been there since uh, eight eight years old. Was when <laughs> since uh, eight years old. So Hunk's a little concerned. Um, they are putting out probably not amazing food at Rapid Sal's. The uh, the cook robot dies, and Hunk convinces Sal to let him do the cooking, and he then becomes Gordon Ramsay. In a intergalactic space mall uh, food court, um, he gets a huge following. Everyone wants the food, and then he's disrupted by Varkon there. Um, watching Hunk just kind of own the kitchen was fantastic, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anywhere Hunk has confidence, it's there. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. He made glass cookies two episodes <laughs> ago, and it was Believable, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love the names that they're using here. The Repit Sals, because they the Repit Saw is the like what the yeah. Gara say, and then you have Varkon and Zarkon. And- <laughs> I heard Repit Sals for the first time. I must have laughed. I think I had to pause the episode. I was laughing so hard just because it caught me off guard so much. Like it's it's ridiculous, and it, it was just so funny. It's like I'm Sal from Repit from Repit Sals, um, uh, and then. You know, the, the the robot dies and Hunk's like, untie me. I can cook for you. And Sal's just kind of looking at him. He's like, plus your robot's dead on the floor. <laughs> so, Which, yeah, com- he could have probably fixed the robot, too. I mean, but he chose to go the route of actually <laughs> doing the food. And then at the end, he like taught the owner, like taught Sal how to actually cook the food. Yeah, that's right. He yeah, he leaves and says. Remember everything I've taught you as he runs away from, from Varkon. <laughs> so that's Hunk's experience in this. And they all meet up again. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, I, I also, I also like how they're all kind of intergalactic illiterates. <laughs> He's like, he gets the orders and they're like, Oh, I can't read this. So I'll just make something <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. That's great. He's like, ah, I'll just wing it. <laughs> And then he's like, he, he sprinkles on like the powder stuff. Like, just look at the essence and how it glows. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so Lance, or sorry, Keith happens upon a knife salesman. Um, how much would you pay for this knife? Well, what if I told you? Yeah, how much would you pay it, for it? It was clearly the guy that does, um, infomercials. It's, it was the ShamWow guy. Yeah, the ShamWow guy. He, he, yeah, he had the he had the the yeah. you know the chin mm-hmm. mic. <laughs> I'm wondering if it was actually the ShamWow guy because I don't think it was an actual voice actor. 
I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I looked on IMDb and couldn't find anything. Wouldn't surprise me either. So that would be funny. Because um, when Keith says, I have a question, and he kind of like, the way he says, okay, well, what, 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 what do you got? Like stutters in a weird way. I was like, that that seems a little odd. So I, I wonder if it actually is like a sham guy or something like that. So we find out that, I mean, we get a little bit more behind the mystery of Keith's knife, but obviously we'll find out more about that in a few episodes from now. Um, the next episode. Oh, yeah, it is next episode. The next episode is called The Blade of Memorial. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, Jeremy. Come on. That's just the title. <laughs> but, yeah, the salesman looks at it and basically says, well, you must have stolen this because there's no way he, uh, you would have this. And, you know, we find out that Keith has had this for Oh, you know, pretty pretty much his whole life. So, um, or that's next next episode. Now they're all blending together. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's right? Um, so, and the guy, you know, obviously it's it's a valuable knife because he tries to buy it off of him. Um, which is funny. The guy who has all these knives to sell is like desperate to get rid of them. Apparently, he has enough money to buy a priceless knife off of someone. Although mm-hmm. he just tries to do so. Um, well, if someone did happen to buy all the guy's knives, he would just pull out a whole other set and pull the same stick. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, so, let's see. Oh, then, of course, we have Pidge and Lance. Um, they find the store. Okay, first of all, this the guy running the store is obviously a, a gray, an alien. <laughs> familiar with any alien abduction stories. This is... um. This is definitely one of those aliens of running a store of basically stuff from the 1980s. Just let that wash over you for a second. <laughs> this is this is the only place in the universe you can get an NES Classic Mini. <laughs> <laughs> right now, yes, yes. <laughs> keep digging it. Oh. Yeah, really. Um, uh, so Pidge sees this. Well, first of all, we get a great moment with Pidge trying to figure out which bathroom she should go into. <laughs> yeah, but really that's, it's more because they can't really read and they don't know what the symbols mean. Right. And then she sees an alien walk out of one and the alien you can't tell either. <laughs> no, they did a great job with the alien who could be either a male or female. If that's what their distinction yeah, And then are. Keith walks out of one. But, you know, Keith like, just doesn't care. He'll just <laughs> go wherever. That's probably a good point. So, um, yeah, and it wasn't even just because whether Pidge is deciding whether she should go in the girls or boys. She doesn't know which is which. So she meets up with Lance, who, of course, is trying to hit up with uh, two uh, space chicks in the mall. And that's where they find the uh, the eight 1980s extravaganza store. Pidge is absolutely taken back by the, I think it's called, like, the Mercury something game system. Um, I think they have to raise 1200. It's an NES classic. That's all. Just (laughs) (laughs) But they don't have any money. So they decide to go and ransack all of the uh, fountains in the mall, because apparently even in intergalactic space malls, people still throw their pennies and nickels or whatever the the denominations are into the, into the space pennies. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, space bucks. Yeah. Spoilers for the end of the episode. Was I the only one who, as soon as they started looking at that, was like, "There's no, you're not going to find a place to hook that up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but knowing Pidge, she'll by the end of the season, she'll figure out how to get it to work, and you'll just see in like one 
off like one slow part of a future episode, you'll see her in the background, like hooking right. it up and playing it. Yeah. So that was my first thought the whole time. Um, so they do eventually find enough money and they are able to go buy it and free with their purchase. They get a cow, cow. What the heck was the name of the cow? Cowinator or something? Moving uh, yeah, I don't remember. I can't remember yeah. what they call it either. But for those who haven't seen it yet, again, if you haven't seen it, why are you listening? That's fine. Um, it's basically a cow on a floating uh, hoverboard. <laughs> can't believe I'm describing this right now. Which I, I, I'm waiting. To, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to play in later in the se- season. Yeah, because they take it back to the castle. Caltenecker. Caltenecker. Thank you. <laughs> so yes, they get a floating cow for their purchase of their game system. Um, let's see. Also with the space mall, we have Karan, who apparently still thinks he needs to act like he's doing shady dealings with the space pirates. Uh, he finds a younger female space pirate, or whatever their the race was, um, Unalu or something. Yeah, Unalu, 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 exactly. Um, and she has no idea what he's talking about. He's trying to ins- insinuate there's a black market somewhere. Well, he hasn't she, been there in 10,000 years. No, it's been a while, of course. Obviously, they've cleaned up the place a bit. Um, and she's, and it's, I love it too because she speaks like a, like a, you know, a millennial nowadays. For the most <laughs> like, what? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. She points to the, you know, the, the diagram of the, of, of the mall. He's like, what I'm looking for, I won't find there. <laughs> and eventually he does find a store. Uh, and the, the person there has it as he says they're gold, what glass plates, I guess. And of course, Quran, after immediately recognizing what they are, tries to pretend that he had no idea what they were. They look rather priceless or, uh, rather, um, look you know, cheap and worthless. Yeah. Worthless. Exactly. And they go through a pretty extravagant, um, negotiation where Quran at one point would have to give up his firstborn. <laughs> I don't think he has any children. Um, if he did, they were it, all dead. Oh, <laughs> um, Jeremy took it dark. <laughs> bring the show down. Jeremy. Is this what you guys deal with on transmissions? Truth hurts. Yeah. Um, so he gets his plate just in time to find the other four, the four paladins running away from Barkon on the cow. So the, so their adventure in the mall ends with the four paladins and, um, Quran riding the floating cow out of the mall as Barkon chases them. But of course, and I knew this was coming too. As soon as they get through the entrance of the mall, he's no longer, they're no longer in his jurisdiction, so he can't follow them anymore. And his lance is rubbing that in. He gets hit in the head because he's standing up on the cow as the, they go under an, an overpass type thing. So that's the adventure of the space mall. <laughs> uh, before we get to share here. So, um, any, any thoughts or anything just again regarding anything that happened in the mall? Anything? I might have missed or any fun moments that you want to point out or anything like that. I, I like the idea that, you know, the Galra empire is a kind of functioning, you know, state where you have like commerce and things. And so, yeah, you have this mall, it's pretty peaceful. I mean, 
the empire is kind of a repressive regime, but you know, business goes on, I guess. And yeah. Citizens are, are living and, and you, you've got this one kind of, uh, you know, guard relegated to the mall, but he's, he's pretty harmless. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because it shows that even though, you know, even though we know what terrible things Archon has done, there's people in this galaxy who they live fine under what's going well, on because they've lived their entire life under the regime. They don't know anything different. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's another, that's another thing this episode does. It shows us a slice of life of people in this empire who, well, guess what? This is, this is what it's been my entire life. It's, I, I just accept it. So yeah, that's a point. I'm still waiting for the team to come into contact with someone that kind of rejects them because, you know, it's been 10,000 years they're like, who are you again? You know, I got a, a decent life here. Yeah, it could be better, but I don't want you screwing it up. Yeah, I can see that coming down the pike at some point. Um, yeah. And we were, Jeremy and I were talking last episode about the fact that, you know, a lot of Zarkon's generals, like, they're not really good at what they do. <laughs> you know, they, they can't defeat Voltron. They run away. But, you know, because Zarkon is so powerful, like the Empire runs fine in other aspects. Um, whether his generals do or whether Varkon, the Malrenikop, <laughs> can't get Paladin. So, um, all right. So we do have a couple of great moments with Alora and the psychic mice. Uh, they put on a little show for her. It's a nice then, little nod to the original show. Oh, really? How so? The, the mice were always doing things like that, like dressing up as little can can dancers and doing little shows to keep her happy. I completely forgot about the can can dancer stuff. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. That, that, now that's even better. Um, and then when everyone arrives back at the castle, they've done up her hair. It looks, it, it's, it's a nice funny moment too. It, it's a visual gag yeah. though. So it's kind of talk about here. All right. So but she it's, needed, it's totally eighties. That's a totally eighties hairstyle. Yeah. And, Afro puffs. <laughs> well, and you know, out of everyone that needed a, a rest, she probably needed it more than anybody because She's exerted herself so much through the other the earlier episodes of the season. Well, yeah, and the castle actually like feeds off her life force, like right. And <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we have this great episode with all this comedic stuff going on, and then we actually have a really relevant part of the, the storyline in the lore. Shiro needs to develop a stronger, um, a stronger bond with the lion, so he decides to go with go sit in the lion and he thinks the lion takes him back to the lion's home uh, where he kind of, you know, he sees through the lion's eyes. He sees the comet that landed on the planet, which uh, King Alfor used to actually build the black lion. Uh, They see Zarkon, who was, who was the black paladin originally Uh, through this. Zarkon is able to connect to the lion and Shiro because he is searching for them using the technique that we know that he's been employing. Um, so this confirms that it is through the black lion that Zarkon is finding the, the castle. Um, there is a fight, uh, Shiro and Zarkon fight in the psychic plane and Shiro's pretty much getting it, getting his butt handed to him. But through it all, he says that, you know, Zarkon's basically saying that he will always control the black lion. And Shiro's point is it's not about controlling it. It's about trust. And at that point, the black lion appears to save Shiro uh, blasts Zarkon, which then sends him out of the psychic plane. Um, 
And then at that point, we kind of have it established that there's a greater bond now between Shira and the lion. Um, and it turns out they never left anywhere. The lion was actually able to project all this in the Shiro um, without even leaving the castle. So it's, you know, like Jeremy was saying, it really adds the lore. And now we know this lion is made from this comet, which who knows what was in it, what the material was and stuff like that. I think that might be so, a reference to the original show, too. I think I remember there was something about a comet in one of the episodes. Yeah, that wasn't surprising. So what do you guys think about that part? Because, you know, like I said, I love this episode for its comedy. But at the same time, we get this wonderful moment, this wonderful story where, like, Shiro takes control of the lion. He's like, nope. This lion's mine, you know, this lion's mine. It listens to me, but because I respect it and I trust it and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, uh, the, the lore was really interesting. I'm still, uh, I mean, they're dangling this and they've been dangling this since the, the first episode. How did Zarkon survive for 10,000 years and what exactly happened between him and, uh, and King Alfor back then? Right. So I, I really hope that that gets explored further, but it's nice to see this little tidbit here. I thought they in season one, when they were doing the whole quintessence stuff, didn't they go into it then? Or am I remembering something that hasn't happened yet in season two? No. Um, okay. Yeah. I believe at one point, Hagar, the, the witches are all using their power on him. Excuse me. And it's not because he's looking for the line. I think it is because it's, is he says something about the quintessence is what keeps him alive or youthful. Yeah. So I think that was something that was discussed. Okay. I don't, I don't remember that, but I'll, you guys are the experts. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Can someone please get that recording? Sure. Jeremy. I also, I like the, um, the whole psychic plane thing and that, we'll tie into the next episode a little bit. Um, but just seeing the whole like Alfor creating the black lion. And I think that's, like I said earlier, I love the lore building and stuff. And I don't know if you guys ever watched Voltron force, but that's when I really started getting hooked on Voltron force is when they were building in a lot of the, how Voltron was created stuff. And, I, I like seeing that here too, that, and hopefully we get to see this on some of the other lions in the future. But obviously black lion is the, the more important in terms of, you know, the connection with Zarkon. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen, no, I definitely haven't seen any of like Voltron force or like vehicle Voltron. I, I didn't really know that was a thing. I did, but I didn't really know it was and stuff like that. So no, I don't, that whole part of the, the franchise, I guess, or the backstory I haven't completely lined on. So, but any, well, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered the episode here. Any final thoughts from the two of you, Charles or Jeremy? No, I mean, this was a fun palate cleanser and, you know, nice to see that it doesn't have to always be serious. Right. Charles, anything from you? Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed uh, this episode and, um, I look forward to to learning more about uh, the the kind of deep past of the, of the series. So I really look, I really like that aspect, and then combining that with the the comedy of the space ball made it a a nice blend here. Sure, yeah, and Jeremy made a good point there. Um, this is this is a nice lull. You know, the first half of the season was pretty much you know balls of the wall, pretty intense. 
you know, without getting into too much, the second half of the season gets probably even more intense at times. So this is a nice little take a breather before it all, you know. But it's not really a filler episode either because you're getting a lot of good meat in the episode as well and not just from Hunk. I mean, tell me if you guys agree. I think I could show this episode to probably anyone and they'd probably, yeah. I mean, they might have questions, but I think they'd get it for what it is, you know, the comedy and everything. Yeah. You'd probably, you'd probably get people complaining, where are the lions in Voltron? (laughs) You only see the black lion. None of the other lions are even in it. What is this? Dang it, Charles. You reminded me of the internet. Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, uh, Charles, tell everyone where they can find you on said internet. Well, uh, I'm usually hanging out on Twitter. You can, uh, tweet me at, at CP Shelton. Uh, and of course, I usually manage the transmissions Twitter. That's at transmissions without the A. So transmissions, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, Stupid I, I do host. <laughs> I, I host the Transmissions podcast with Jeremy and two other randos. Um, and we have fun on that show. We do, you know, two weekly shows, uh, one focused on Transformers toys, one on uh, Transformers comics and media. And, uh, you know, that's a good time. So uh, hope you'll check that out. Yeah. And they're all huge fans of the uh, live action movies, too. So musings <laughs> <laughs> over it now. <laughs> Now, Charles, real quick, we do this thing on the show. I don't know if you ever heard anything like this. It's called Rapid Fire Questions. <laughs> Gala or Voltron? Oh, Voltron, come on. <laughs> that's all I got. That, that's what I I'm glad it was appreciated. So, <laughs> All right. And, of course, for Jeremy and I, uh, you can find Jeremy on Transmissions. You can find me on my podcast with uh, David, uh, Poverty. And please, if you want to leave some quick feedback, tell Charles how much you enjoyed hearing his lovely, lovely voice tonight. Uh, you can go to POV Podcast and comment on the episode. You can email us at feedback at POV Podcast. And don't forget us on Twitter, POV underscore podcast. And I think that's yeah. it, gentlemen. Well, I think we should also start mentioning the uh, Transmissions Discord channel, which does have a Voltron channel in it. So if you I want like to chat more real time with people about Voltron and um, Jason and I are both in there. Uh, that's another place to go. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes and on the website. Yeah. We're going to have to just record an intro outro. Yeah. <laughs> Chat fast before Yoshi deletes that Voltron channel. Uh, he will never. Air. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you. Uh, we might have a special guest next episode, too. I mean, it might be a little rando. <laughs> obviously, we're extremely popular. Everyone wants on our show. So, uh, once again, I'd like to thank Charles for coming on and uh, in talking about this episode with us. And we look forward to having him back on again someday. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's really fun. No problem. So, we will see you all next week and talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh-huh.